Today's episode is brought to you by HomeShirts.com. Head to HomeShirts for all of your vintage apparel needs from Milwaukee, Indianapolis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and St. Louis, as well as many regional and national brands, along with some of your favorite defunct sports teams. Head to HomeShirts.com, use code PFTR, and save 10%. Now, on with the show. Hi, it's David Tell, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Huh? Yeah, we're doing it. Hello there, I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Greg Morton and I discuss growing up on opposite sides of the Great Lakes. Isn't that funny? And You and I have similar experiences, but I'm coming from the opposite uh, angle. My uh, lake experiences are similar to yours, where I picked up all the signals, the TV signals that skipped across the lake, and the radio signals, and I'm picking up on all this American culture. We'll hear more from Greg in just a bit. We have a brand new feature for you. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. NASA's Curiosity Mars rover has snapped a selfie on the red planet showing off the terrain where it has been working for the past five months. Dozens of images taken from the rover's robotic arm were woven together to create the selfie, which shows the Parup Hill site where Curiosity has been exploring and drilling to learn more about the Martian environment. The rover also posted the selfie on several social media websites where people said the robot looked fat. Members of a county Republican party in Idaho are keen to take up a measure this past Tuesday evening that would have declared the state a Christian one to bolster what the proposal calls the Judeo-Christian bedrock of the founding of the United States. The resolution to be voted on by the Cotennel County Republican Central Committee is non-binding, meaning it does not have the effect of laws, rules, nor commandments. Senior Republicans conceded on Tuesday that the grueling fight with President Obama over the regulation of Internet services appears to be over, with the President and an army of Internet activists victorious. The FCC was expected this past Thursday to approve regulating Internet services like a public utility, prohibiting companies from paying for faster lanes on the Internet. While the two Democratic commissioners are negotiating over technical details, they are widely expected to go against the two Republican commissioners, though those Dems and the Democratic chairman Tom Wheeler can't seem to get their emails to go through to coordinate any further action. In response to recent reports that Jimmy Dornan might be leaving the Fifty Shades of Grey franchise, the actor has released a statement to the contrary. Jamie's delighted that the film is breaking box office records worldwide, and whilst the studio has not made any formal announcements about sequels, he is looking forward to making the next film, his rep told ABC News. Ironically, his contract is non-binding. Congress edged closer this past Friday to a partial shutdown of the Department of Homeland Security, as House and Senate Republican leaders remain at an impasse over which chamber should act and on what legislation. Until the Senate does something, we're in a wait-and-see mode, House Speaker John Boehner told reporters, following a private House GOP Wednesday morning meeting. Boehner, who has decided to weigh in on a tentative Senate plan to approve the annual $40 billion DHS funding budget and then vote separately on a bill to block President Obama's executive orders to delay deportation for millions of undocumented immigrants. The White House is currently considering a proposed compromise that would send undocumented immigrants to fight ISIS. And finally, a gaggle of potential Republican candidates will pitch their 2016 credentials this weekend at the annual Conservative Political Action Conference, also known as CPAC. But they'll find a new wrinkle at the best-known of GOP cattle calls. Jeb Bush, Scott Walker, Marco Rubio, Chris Christie, and others will, for the first time, have to answer questions from the audience made up of the GOP's most conservative and libertarian activists. CPAC organizers are trying to make this command performance for presidential hopefuls a tougher vetting process than just doing well in the annual straw poll, a kind of informal job interview for undeclared candidates, if you will. Among the panels at the CPAC conference, are you smarter than a fifth grader? We hope not. Evolution, revolution, and don't go a climate change in if you want to please us.
And that's been Fake News with me. We have a new feature on the tape recorder, and it was inspired by something my dad always used to say, and I think still does say from time to time, and that is, they ought to throw those goddamn people in jail. Okay, so we all know reality TV is bogus, but uh, I think we've gotten to the point now where we just kind of accept that and have kind of moved beyond it just to enjoy it for what it is. And it seems everybody kind of has their own favorite one reality show. Uh, My family and I enjoy Survivor a lot. Um, and then my in-laws really enjoy The Amazing Race, and then my sister-in-law really enjoys uh, the, what, what's the fashion one there over on Lifetime, um, uh, Project Runway. And so everybody kind of has their own that they, they kind of enjoy. And uh, my youngest, uh, little Lizzie, who does uh, it, it's Facebook, not Factbook, uh, she has a little soundbite for that, her favorite uh, reality show, even more than Survivor, is Undercover Boss. And I kind of like Undercover Boss, too, and, and it gets a lot of grief, but uh, let, let's worst-case scenario... And the whole thing is made up, you know. We'll we'll say that it is heavily screened, you know, as far as them picking the employees that the boss is going to interact with. But worst case scenario, even as structured as it is, I always hope that at least that one little kernel of the theme of the show gets through, and that you know bosses and CEOs do get the idea, albeit in a made up you know atmosphere and stuff that's kind of maybe even staged. Uh, that, you know, that they have real people working for them and their businesses sometimes have problems they're maybe not seeing. So at least maybe that's getting through. Well, the problem is they're kind of running out of real business people to, to have on the show. Quick story, the um, uh, company I used to work for, Hudson News, great company, by the way. If you're ever in an airport and need a magazine or embroidered t-shirt, stop by and see Hudson News. Uh, anyway, uh, the president of Hudson News was on and the same thing happened. You know, he ran into some employees and then and you know, found how tough it is to work down there in the trenches and like that. And like I said, again, even if it is made up or sugar-coated or whatever, at least, you know, there's that idea out there that, you know, in the trenches it's different than in the boardroom. And if that's getting through, then the show has succeeded, no matter what they're making up or whatever they're trying to, you know, hoodwink you with uh, otherwise. Well, anyway, um, oh, and by the way, if you're a boss out there and you're going to be an undercover boss, uh, be prepared. Your computer system sucks. No matter if it's your inventory system or your register system, it sucks. And you're going to find that out. And the funny thing is with the Hudson News one is uh, Joe D'Annunzio is the uh, CEO of uh, Hudson News. He was on uh, he was on Undercover Boss. And he was in one of the stores, I believe it was in Seattle, and the register system wasn't working. And he's, ah, oh, he was flabbergasted. He's like, oh, the first thing we're going to fix, we're going to get a new register system. Okay, they told me that in 2002 when I showed up at the Cincinnati airport. Yeah, we're getting a register system. And five years later, we did, and it was a little bit better. But it still wasn't that great. So anyway, they're, so they're still fighting that battle. And no matter what, your computer system sucks. Okay, so they're running out of good bosses to have on the show. And they're, they're going for, like, uh, hucksters and, and pyramid schemers. Well, the one guy they just had on was uh, Armando Montalango. And I don't know if you know about this cupcake, but uh, his whole deal is that he is a real estate flipper. He had a show on A&E. And uh, he will teach you how to flip houses and make a lot of money. And that's nothing wrong with that. People kind of frown on that. But real estate speculation has been going on since the, the country was settled. And probably even way before that, way before there was the United States. So real estate speculation, that's, that's not a bad thing. And this guy, you know, he, he had a book out. Okay, that's fine. But then he realized that, you know, he and he probably would have been a millionaire just doing that. But he's now worth $200 million because uh, he figured out that it, there's more money, uh, there's money in flipping houses there's more money in telling people how to flip houses, and not just $29.95 a book. Try $40,000 a person. That's right. So the show opens with a profile, and uh, they you talk about how successful his company is, and then he launches this one. 
And you know what? I'm not going to apologize for my success. So they send him out on his way, and they disguise him like my friend Big Jim Lugers, as a matter of fact. He looks exactly like Big Jim Lugers. Um, and he goes out and does all the you know usual undercover boss stuff. And uh, what's interesting is he runs into some of the people that help run his seminars, uh, like this gal right here. And uh, she doesn't, of course, doesn't know it's him. Uh, and, uh, and she tells him as a prospective uh, employee or someone she's trying to train, she tells him this about the program. We're trying to get people to purchase a $1,500 real estate package. It can really help change their lives. If they get involved in this program, they have to do it now or else the chance is gone. They can call um, our office at a later date, but the price is going to go up to $3,000. Unless they catch Armando in the next town where it starts off at $1,500 again. Okay, so he goes back to the phone center at his headquarters in San Antonio. And, of course, the lady there training him says this. So you want to try to talk them into going because this is a life-changing event. Well, yes, getting fleeced out of $40,000 would certainly change somebody's life. But, of course, now he does have a defense for that. There have been complaints to the Better Business Bureau, but Armando is ready. The Better Business Bureau has gone out there and give us an unfair rating. We've touched 1.5 million lives. And we have 146 complaints. The greatest companies in the world on their greatest day couldn't imagine customer service like this. Touch 1.5 million people is right. Yeah, well, the problem is, though, is that according to Forbes magazine, yes, Forbes magazine got on him. The people you think would be supportive of any kind of thing of anybody making money in this country, Forbes magazine exposed this guy and said that when you sign up for the seminar, you sign an agreement saying you can't complain, you can't come back and sue or anything like that. There's no guarantee. And uh, even uh, further investigation by Forbes shows that they don't even, uh, you know, give you time to write stuff down. They go through stuff really fast. And again, it's he wrote a book. You you can in fact you can buy the book uh, for forty nine cents uh, on Amazon used. Uh, you can buy a DVD ROM for four bucks, or you can buy a whole uh, audio CD package for one hundred thirty seven dollars. And I don't know why you just can't do that and save yourself uh, three hundred nine. Well, you do the math, thirty nine thousand something odd dollars uh, just by doing that. Because I'm of course you can make money flipping real estate. Maybe if you do, you know if you put time into it and know people that can fix up houses and things like that. I'm not saying it can't be done. But I don't know why you have to give this guy $40,000 to do it. And then the, the, the one gal is complaining. Uh, the first gal that said it was a life-changing event, she's a, a coordinator, and she doesn't know where her schedule is going to be. She doesn't know what talent she has to be in. And so she's complaining to Armando, you know, who's undercover about that. And I'm thinking, like, well, if things are so bad, why don't you just go start flipping houses? You know? Why, why doesn't the lady in the phone center, especially with the computer system, why didn't she go flipping houses? I, that's, that's, I don't understand that. Now, on his website, he has a lot of answers for this, too. He says, you know, there's only a couple of complaints at the Better Business Bureau, and we have lots of testimonials. And there is like 15 pages of six or seven testimonials for each page on the website, but they're mostly, uh, they mostly sound like this. And uh, I don't know what to say other than I love this guy. I mean, Armando for president, really. Um, thank you, brother. You've changed my life. And uh, this weekend is uh, just brings everything together. And uh, millionaires make it now, and I'm making it now. Thanks again, Armando. Happy birthday. And uh, love you, dude. And then there's this, uh, this son and uh, his mom. The weekend was freaking awesome. Um, didn't get much sleep, but uh, um, it was uh, it was incredible. We got seven days of uh, incredible real estate education in about three days. That's right. And the best part of it is it's a proven plan that works, and so now we can just go forward and execute it, and we will be millionaires. And this couple. We have spent three days with Armando, and it's been the most amazing 
three days of our lives when it comes to learning everything there is to know about the real estate industry and all its aspects of uh, buying and selling and fixing. Um, we are, can't wait to go home and take all of this knowledge and put it back, put it to work right on tomorrow, today, tonight. Yeah, we're so excited. Yeah, we are very, very so excited, excited and thankful. And thank <laughs> you, Armando, for doing this. Yes. It, it literally has changed our lives. Have you noticed a pattern here? None of these people have flipped a house. That then All they've done is gone to the seminar and given them $40,000, and they were happy to do it. It's kind of like if you went and bought a car and spent all day at the dealership and sat in the car, maybe, and, and they had you showed you the car, and then they maybe delivered the car to your house. You didn't drive there. They delivered the car to your house, and then they said, hey, how do you like your new Camry? <laughs> it's great. I haven't driven it. I don't know if it works. I don't know if it even runs. That's what this is like. And then there's this one point where the, the, uh, he goes undercover at this one seminar and he wants to talk to one of the people taking the court and he sits there and listens to this woman say this. I think we paid 46000 Whoa. Yeah. I mean, that's not including airfare, wow. you know, hotel and stuff. Wow. Wow is right. I mean, these produced, uh, one person, Forbes magazine produced, the guy made $180,000, uh, flipping 18 houses. And that's the only guy that could come up with, besides the other people who just attended the seminar and were glad to throw $40,000 into the street. Well, actually, at Armando, not into the street. And at one point, he even says this. And some people say, well, Armando, if you're changing people's lives, why don't you just put it on the internet for free? It's very scary. Well, the average college education right now is $120,000. And in one weekend, I give people the opportunity to have, own, and run their own business. Okay, well, I'm not a smart businessman, but I, it seems to me if you have $40,000, you wouldn't give it to this cupcake. You would actually take the 40000 and buy his book for like 49 cents and then maybe go buy a property somewhere with the other $39,999.50. That seemed to make more sense to me that you would do that. And he shouldn't give it away for free if he has an actual system. I mean, he wrote the book. He has the DVDs. He got the, that's pretty reasonable. If you have a system that's going to make people that much money, if it really is, okay, that has value. You don't have to give that away for free. There's a guy here in town. Uh, he lives across the river from me in Kentucky. His name is Cliff Ravenscraft. And I might have talked about him before. He started off in the podcasting business doing a lost podcast. And he got so into doing podcasting, he teaches people now to podcast, either private individuals or uh, corporations. He will, uh, for a, a fee, not $40,000, I'm sure, uh, but for a fee, he will teach you how to podcast. Or if you have the time, you can listen to uh, his podcast called The Podcast Answer Man, all 150, 60 episodes, whatever it is, and you can learn it for free that way. So he's giving away for free, which I'm not sure it's a smart business model, but, uh, you know, so he, he's not in a funny, <laughs> funny story about Cliff Ravenscraft. We were at a convention together in Las Vegas, a new media expo about two years ago, and we bumped into each other. I said, oh, I, I recognized him from this pictures and stuff facebook page i said oh yeah i'm from cincinnati too i'm pf tape recorder and we're chit-chatting and i'm a huge lost fan he couldn't wait to get away from me fast enough but anyway so um my point is is that we're not asking armando to give the thing away for free what i'm asking him is to not take people for forty thousand dollars a pop maybe 150 maybe 200 otherwise they ought to throw this guy in jail Greg Morton is a stand-up comedian from Toronto, Ontario, who is best known for his Star Wars reenactment bit, which features all sound effects and all kinds of voices, and it's absolutely brilliant. You have to check it out. Look it up on YouTube if you like, or go see him live. 
In the meantime, here's our interview with Greg Morton. Okay, joining us on BS Tape Recorder is Greg Morton. Greg, how you doing? Haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, man. How you doing? Really good, man. Um, folks, of course, uh, might know you famously for your Star Wars uh, bit. I bring that up only because my youngest is now obsessed with Star Wars. She's 10. <laughs> well, and, uh, what took him so long? That's her, what I have to say. Her, actually. Uh, it's strange. Oh, her. I'm sorry. Yeah. So she, um, yeah, it's not she's, like you change genders of your children. Exactly. She's, uh, she is obsessed and um, uh, do you still do that bit? Is that still like uh, a big crowd? Oh, it's a, that's a showcase for me. That's uh, usually the first thing I do is the oh, okay. Star Wars. Oh, very good. That's how I figure out what, where the crowd is at. You know, if you're not a Star Wars fan, forget about it. Oh, uh, okay. All right. That's uh, where I, that's where I, that's how I find my tribe. There right? you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um so uh, let's uh, go back for the for the benefit of folks that, that don't know in the podcast audience. I know we've spoken about this for print before, but um, you actually started in animation. Yeah, um, let's see how long ago. Well, when I first got out of uh, college, I always thought I was going to be a, a cartoonist or an animator. And uh, uh, the first uh, I worked on, um, I worked for Hanna Barbera, working on the Scooby and Scrappy Doo show. Okay, yeah, and. Um, we uh, well, I actually I hated Scrappy Doo. I with a passion. I don't know if you had any liking for him. I thought he was a bit of a snotty little pup, really. Yeah. And we used to draw him into different positions of the Karma Sutra with uh, <laughs> Scooby. And then after that, um, that was uh, around that time, about a year. I think I found that I was a little more extroverted than I thought I was. Okay. You know, sitting at a, a desk for twelve hours working on animated projects just didn't quite do it for me but i'd worked on a lot of different things i worked on uh heavy metal the movie did some stuff for that the oh, new flintstones right. yeah and um then after that i went on and uh started doing voice work for cartoons because i'd done some voice work for animated shows you know with uh you know fellow for my fellow students and i ended up with this whole my first gig was uh, i said to my my uh agent i says you know i used to do this when i was in college can you hook me up so the first audition he sent me on was Hello Kitty, which is yeah. uh, kind of ironic. But anyway, so I'm I'm doing this. Uh, the audition was for this dog, and his name was Grinder, and he used to sound like this. <laughs> so they said, uh, "Give me a cross between uh, Fred Gwynn, who was the actor on uh, Car Fifty Four. He also played the uh, Herman, Munster. Herman Munster. Munster on the Munsters." Yeah. Yep. And they wanted uh, that and uh, and uh, sort of a, a goofy sound. And uh, yeah, I came up with this. this yeah. Ooh, 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 ooh. And he would get really excited and he would say, oh, 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 all the time. And uh, okay, yeah. you can still find that at your local grocery store. I'm sure. In the delete bins. <laughs> so um, there's some fame. Yeah. Um, so now are you, you're from Canada originally. I know you uh, live there for some time. Uh, or do you still live there? Yeah, I do. I still live in uh, Toronto, or as we like to call it, Crazy Town. Um, and I, I have lived in the States prior to this. I mean, like Los Angeles and uh, New York and that. Uh, so I, now I, you know, I'm commuting okay. quite a bit. So you're 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 a Canadian by by birth. Yes. Right? Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I am a huge canophile. I don't know if you remember much. Oh. 
Oh yeah, that's right. Which which puzzles so many Canadians when I say that. They think I'm pulling their leg at first, and then they're like, "Oh, well, I guess I can see that." And then, uh, yeah, but people don't understand why I'm such a canophile. Like, oh, I grew up across the lake, and I, I, you know, absorbed a lot of Canadian TV and Second City and Canadian football, and I just became enamored. And we vacationed up there a lot, you know, when I was young. So, isn't that funny? It's and uh, you and I have similar experiences, but I'm coming from the opposite uh, angle, right? Yeah, yeah. You know. My uh, lake experiences are similar to yours where I picked up all the signals, the TV signals that skipped across the lake and the radio signals. And, yeah. And I'm picking up on the, all this American culture and I'm enamored by the American culture, you know. Yeah. yeah. That's the reason why I, always, I came down here. I, I love it here, you know. Well, yeah, so. they, um, I know a lot of Canadians say that it's just you know, there's just so much more opportunity here, even though it's this, you know, you can be a big fish in a small pond in Canada. There's just it, the U.S. market is so big that there's just, you know, a lot more opportunities to make a living, you know, even if you're not hugely famous. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So um, you're, you, you, defi- you find you're extroverted and go out doing voice work. When does stand-up come into the mix, though? Uh, well, it, ironically, it's kind of happened at the same time. You know, I was um, getting both things kind of took off at the same time. So uh, I used a stand-up as kind of a vehicle, you know, as a lot of uh, stand-up comics did, to uh, parlay their way into other projects. Right. And uh, I wanted to, you know, stretch up my acting chops a little bit. And uh, that was the first thing that came across the table. And then later on, I did uh, some uh, a sitcom in, in uh, Canada for the CBC called Hanging In. Oh. And uh, I was kind of a, uh, a wayward uh, kid that... Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I played him for about one season... And then, unfortunately, the show was canceled. But it was a, a great run for me, and it gave me an experience, like what it's like to be on a sitcom. Yeah. So that was kind of neat. And so when, where did you first try stand-up? Was that in Los Angeles, or was it in Toronto? No. I, I uh, The first time was was locally and around uh, Toronto. And uh, I actually, it was in Toronto at uh, Yuck Yucks. Uh, a friend of mine and I were going to college at the time. We had our own band and wow. we used to sing song, uh, not song parodies, but just funny songs that we made up. Yeah. And uh, so we went on stage and we did our first gig on on a, on a comedy club stage. And he used to play guitar and I would sing. And uh, and uh, but my first time in America on stage was in New York. I was at uh, Catch a Rising Star. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a great experience that was, because at that time they were still doing singers, you know, and, oh, um, you know, know I don't know if you know, but in, in Catch a Rising Star, they used to have a lot of singers. And one of the more famous ones was Pat Benatar. Oh, wow. So they'd have a couple. Yeah. So they'd have a couple of comics and then they'd bring out, you know, Pat Benatar come out, wail a couple of songs and then boom, they had a couple more comics. And it was more of a cabaret sort of field, which I really kind of miss, you know, they it's been more straight stand-up now than, than ever. And uh, I miss that variety aspect that we used to have in uh, in clubs. You don't see that as much. I mean, when, I remember when I first started out, we got everybody. You know, there were jugglers and, and um, you know, uh, guitar acts and uh, singers as well as uh, stand-up comics. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, like the old days. So who was it catch in those days when you were when you went on? What, what, what generation are we talking? What other comics that we would? Um, well, uh, let's see here. Oh, I, I'll tell you who. Um, 
Louis C.K. Oh, there you go. Or not. Yeah. Uh, David Tell. Okay. Wow. Um, coming up at the same time, I, he was on all the time, David Tell. And uh, he he had a really strong work ethic. I mean, this kid used to work out, man. He had new jokes every week, every week. He would come out. And he'd be the first one on at catch. They'd put him up because he would uh, run throughout the city and go to all of the clubs working on his new stuff. And uh, he, uh, and then right after he was finished, uh, I'd see him. He'd be at the diner. He would, would be with another comic, and he'd, they'd be working on other, you know, new jokes uh, for that week. Also, uh, Chris Rock used to stop by. Oh wow. One time I was uh, there at uh, at Catch and uh, Chris Rock. This was the time he was on uh, Saturday Night Live, and you know he showed up in his brand new uh, Corvette, nice shiny red one, huh. Corvette convertible, parked right out in front of the club, walks in to do a set, huh. <laughs> then walks out again. Uh, so, then, see. so then, so then you went to. Um, so is this before or after your animation career? This uh, was just after my animation okay. career, all right, and, and my voiceover career too. So it was in the early nineties. Oh. Okay, and so I think one of yeah. the last shows you worked on, you had told me before, was the uh, was the MC Hammer show. Was that correct? Y- yes. Yeah. 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 And uh, was, I, was that the experience? That kind of said maybe this isn't for me anymore because you said cause you said it got kind of a little preachy and it was a little a little bland. Maybe I think I recall you saying, or was it just you'd had enough of animation as a whole? Well, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, it's funny when you're in something like that, you uh, you long for the other thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, it, as much as I loved doing that, I, I was always, uh, I just loved the experience of stand-up because you never knew, know what's going to happen. And you're creating your own script. And uh, you have a lot more creative control, whereas with animation, I never had that creative control. Um, you know, I would make suggestions or I would uh, say, here's an alternate take from an actor. Yeah. We thought that this might be better. But in the end, you know, someone else has the creative control. And when I was working on uh, Hammerman, their show, uh, and they did this a lot. They would, uh, for your, some of your listeners who aren't familiar with this story, um, they would preach to the kids a lot. And this was kind of an urban cartoon. Yeah. It was yeah. about um, uh, Stanley, uh, who was uh, MC Hammer's alias, and he had these talking shoes. They were kind of magical. And when he put them on, he became Hammerman. It was kind of like a hammer, uh, a superhero. Right. So he would dance around and beat up the bad guys with his dancing. Huh. And, uh, Every episode got more and more preachy. It was kind of like almost like good times where there would be this heavy, heavy message. Yeah. And they would just suck the funny right out of the show because we had some very funny and entertaining shows. And both uh, myself and the actors really enjoyed working on them. But, uh, when it, you know, once you start preaching, I mean, that's it. Yeah. This fun just sucks right out of it. So when now your uh, stage style, of course, uh, has developed. You're you're very animated on stage, shall we shall we say? Yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. That's what so did, right? that, Was that just a natural uh, outgrowing of the animation thing, or is that always something in you, and that drew you to animation, or how do the are those two things related? I for me, it's a little bit of uh, both. You know, I. I, I kind of liken myself to a human cartoon. I've always been yeah. a big fan of cartoons. I used to watch all the old Warner Brothers cartoons. And uh, they're a lot more slapstick in nature. 
you know, like the Three Stooges. That was another big favorite of mine when I was a kid. And I also like, uh, I also loved a lot of the variety shows that were on when I was a kid too. You know, uh, the, the Flip Wilson show, um, uh, the Smothers Brothers, uh, you know, and the, where they do skits or sketches. Yeah. And with stand-up, that's a little more confining. You're telling a joke, but I always wanted to do one-person skits. So that's what my show is kind of comprised of. It has some straight stand-up in it, but it has a lot of, you know, and man skits that are quite different. And uh, it's it's a really – it's difficult to kind of, you know, fit yourself into that genre. You know, unless you're doing straight stand up. So, you know, sometimes when people watch it, they go like, what is this? When they're kind of expecting a different thing, you just got to let go and you got to enjoy, enjoy the ride. Because uh, what my show is just kind of a one man tour de farce. Yes. That's all I, you know, everything is just, it just jumps around just the same way that I am. I'm kind of uh, animated and uh, I have a very short attention span, yeah. you know, can't I- remain focused on one thing for too long. So. Yeah, I was going to, I mentioned in the email that uh, when you're in Cincinnati, you can revive one of your old bits. We had a situation here where a young man, uh, a young high schooler, he turns up uh, as being a Taliban, and they're showing the pictures of him in high school, and then showing the pictures now when he's been caught, and my wife is like, how do the parents not know? And I'm like, you know, funny you should mention that. This comedian, Greg <laughs> Morton, has this bit about uh, Nazi teenagers and how parents don't know. And I won't spoil yeah, it for well, folks, but uh, you're stepping very, by, going, "Hi, mom. Hi, dad." Yeah, it's a very animated uh, <laughs> uh, ending to this to the story that uh, Greg tells. So uh, you, you should probably revive that when you're here. You make a nice. I uh, should, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a hilarious know, they, bit. They find these guys, and I, I don't even I don't know how how could you not know these know. guys are terrorists, right? <laughs> yeah, he stayed up in his room the a lot. He's on the internet, and like, oh, okay, the, right? <laughs> no red the flags. That's facial hair. The uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's always the case, but, you know, be, be on the lookout. <laughs> um, so uh, I, th- I can't remember you told me this uh, before because the technology had just become, you know, available easily for folks to do animation right on their home computers. Have you ever thought of reviving uh, anything like that? Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm starting to get into that now. Uh, the, this program that I want to get is like two grand. I mean, Whoa. wow. I know, I know, I know. And then I've got to kind of start all over again. <laughs> got to, you know, oh, yeah, it's a whole because that, I never came up that way. Right, right, exactly. You know, I, I, I came up with the classic style of animation. Yeah. Now, there are some uh, animation animated uh, programs that I've worked with uh, with the iPad and things like that, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah. They're good for quick gags. Sure. But I need voice and, and animation. Oh, yeah, I need yeah. to put the two together. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a winning combo for me. That's and true. That's yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm working on right now. But man, 2K. Ooh, ouch. That is. That's uh, is I'm it, saving up for taxes right now, bro. There you go. <laughs> do, you, do you have like <laughs> you any. Know, that's right around the corner. So. Do you have any particular concepts in mind for uh, what you do with it? Or would you probably mess with the uh, program first and see what it would lend itself to? I always have these uh, weird. Uh, uh, ideas or concepts that uh, will only fit into that type of genre. That and um, I had to. I came up with one idea the other day. My wife said you should do something with this anonymous. And I thought, oh, you know, yeah. wouldn't that be funny if you had uh, 
two or three anonymouses like kind of arguing with each other on screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they're all both fighting for fame. No, I'm anonymous. I'm the true anonymous. No, you're not. I am. I, I like also like a lot of physical things, sure. like a lot of physical humor. I have a couple of animated things on online right now. I've got uh, uh, one that I did with stop motion animation called uh, Hey There, Ikea, where I'm putting together a piece of furniture. Uh, uh, it's a, uh, what is it? Uh, kind of a credenza thing, uh, a sideboard piece. And uh, I, it shows me putting it together in about three minutes, and it's all stop motion. Oh. And it's a song, and it's to uh, their Hey There Delilah, but it's Hey There Ikea. Oh, neat. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll have to link to that from the, uh, from the Podbean page. Cool. Uh, any other exciting projects coming up? Or are you just, uh, just doing um, I just finished um, working on uh, – I was on uh, Comics Unleashed with Byron Allen. Okay. And that should be out shortly. Okay. Uh, too long. You know, they, they do a lot of those. Yeah, that was a great show. A lot of people on the on that show. Yeah, he, I guess Byron Allen. He's some kind of a. a I didn't realize this kind of comedy impresario. He's really uh, behind the scenes. He's really known in the comedy uh, business out in Los Angeles, and you don't really hear much beyond well, comics unleashed. That's where all the that's where all the money is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Silly us, right? Yeah, exactly. Got to be. I mean, I I feel I feel like if I knew that, I mean, this is what we should be doing is producing production of material because you know the web. Uh, media, all these people need new content. All you got to do, you just yep. got to keep creating content. Yeah. Whatever it is. And they can't eat it fast enough. Yeah. Content so is king. that's all you do. You just lock yourself in a room and just come up with more and more stuff all the time. There you you, go. There's always going to be an audience for that. Yeah. I mean, look at that viral video. The guy's dancing to shake it off. That cop in, in the cop car. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. Just, it's, it? yeah. It's so simple. Yeah. You know, it drives me crazy. And then, of course, we're going to get uh, pulled over for, for distracted driving if we yeah. tried something like that. Yeah, you just but, never know what's going to hit either. You know, that's just... Uh, you never know what's going to hit, yeah. yeah it's, like, it's like the lottery. I wish I had more cats. That's what I wish. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I'd have a viral video every week with yeah. something like that. Well, you, 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 you put enough cats in a room, you're bound to get a viral video. You're going to get a viral it's video. Like a, a thousand monkeys it's, typing and a thousand typewriters thing. Yeah, if you put a thousand <laughs> cats in a room, you're right? bound to get a viral video. Well, That's uh, pretty wild. Uh, the Pope came out the other day and he yeah. said that uh, all dogs go to heaven. Uh, he didn't. <laughs> what he forgot to mention is that cats go wherever the hell they want. Yeah, the, <laughs> there you go. Well, all right, man. It was good uh, catching up with you, and uh, we'll see you here in town, uh, in Cincinnati anyway, uh, in a couple of weeks, and then um, I think a week after next, as a matter of fact. And then um, yes. we'll post to your tour schedule uh, from the Podbean page as well so people can get caught up there and check out your show. Patrick, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate it. Great, man. It was great talking to you again. All right, sir. Well, see you uh, in a couple of weeks. All right, brother. Bye, Greg. Bye. Thanks again to Greg Morton for being on the show. You can catch Greg out on the road, oh, at all times of the year. And to get his exact tour dates, you just want to go to gregmorton.com. You can find all kinds of other things about Greg Morton. You can also see his uh, Star Wars video there 
as well. Okay, so the usual thank yous, of course, uh, original music composed and performed by John Bropolis and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Dan Coble designed the logo. Dan and Megan's podcast, The Queen's Gambit, all about that show, Arrow, is available uh, from Stitcher. It's available, I think, at the, I think it's thequeensgambit.com. We have a link to it on the pfradio.podbean.com page. You can also find that in iTunes. Remember to go to Home Shirts and order yourself some vintage apparel from either a defunct team or a, a long-gone but beloved business. And remember, when you order from the Cleveland page, basically, or from the defunct teams page, uh, we make a little bit of cash uh, on the back end of that. So if you want to support the podcast, that's a great way to do it and get yourself a good-looking shirt. Oh, and use code PFTR and you will save 10%. So it's PFTR. When you check out, save yourself 10%. There you go. Okay, so I believe uh, that is all the business we have on hand for today, other than to say, of course, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.